here. Adam and Eve had two very fine sons. Amen? They'd had two very fine sons. And I'm sure, like all parents that are worth their salt, they thought those two boys were the greatest two on earth. <laughs> but lo and behold, in a jealous rage, one of them killed the other. So much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust as always that the Lord's going to bless you up one side and down the others. We fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're continuing on this particular session with a series that isn't a series. Actually, each individual part of the series is kind of self-contained or it's a message in and of itself. We're talking about life and how it is a pain in certain areas. And we're come to the portion where we were talking about life, a pain in the relationships. Now listen to this very carefully. Life, a pain in the relationships. There was a time where relationships was very simple. It's not so simple anymore. And we're going to get into some of that and discuss some of the reasons why it causes or brings pain into our life and how to deal with that. Hopefully, always, the way we deal with any issue is through the power of God, by the Spirit, because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Our text passage for this particular teaching is found in Galatians chapter 5, but I want to go to another passage that we'll read here very shortly into the message. I want to share that with you, and it's found in James chapter 3, in verse number 17. James chapter 3, verse number 17. I might read a little bit of verse 18 as well. And the record puts it this way, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure it is also peace loving that's important gentle at all times and willing to yield to others it is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds it shows no favoritism and is always sincere now listen to verse 18 and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness what a message that applies to this particular, or a, a passage that applies to this particular uh, teaching, this particular emphasis. And I trust the Lord would help us as His Word goes out to you uh, during this particular teaching. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for each one that's listening in. And I pray that by your Word that you would undertake. And I pray for every relationship that's represented in this audience uh, in particular, those that may be strained for whatever reason, where there is no peace, I pray you would bring peace to those relationships. We'll thank you. We'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless you. I'm exploring with you through this six-part series, actually it's a six-and-a-half-part series as the case might be, how it is that we born again 
Spirit-filled believers are to deal with our pain. Now, let me reemphasize something basic, something fundamental to you. The Bible lays out God's plan for you, and that plan is that you are born again and that you are spirit-filled. Let me see your eyeballs. There are a lot of people that uh, think the born-again, being-saved language is cool, but spirit-filled language is optional. You know, like, I don't want to go to one of those churches. Well, what you're saying is you don't want to honor God. We're right back to that whole argument again. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, spirit baptism, a lifestyle of holiness. With that, we're talking about how such folks that have encountered being born again and being spirit-filled, spirit-baptized, how we deal with our pain. I'm going to be sharing with you two more messages on this or connected to this subject. The last one, the Lord willing, is going to be next week. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be on the pain of sin. Right now, we're going to bring to you the pain of relationships, life, a pain in the relationships. Someone has asked, in fact, a lot of people have asked this, so I can't really cite a source, and I've adapted it to fit my own uh, uh, purposes now, but the, the question has been asked, how is your congregation doing with relationships? That's a great question, isn't it? How are you guys, how you like that, Doug? How are you guys doing with your relationships? Honestly, and I, you know I like to be honest with you. Sometimes I'm not. No, I'm trying to be honest with you all the time. And honestly, I would say to you this morning that relationships used to be easy. They used to be easy. In a familial, familial sense with regards to family, there was a dad and mom. There was a brother or sister or both. There was grandma and pawpaw and a few aunts and uncles. That's pretty simple, isn't it? The familial sense. And then in the familiar sense, there was a few close Friends, and if you go through life with a few close friends, you're very fortunate, very blessed. There was work associates. If you're an adult, if you're uh, not in that adult arena yet, perhaps a uh, few classmates that you are familiar with. And then the church family. And the church is indeed a family. Amen? And most of that revolves around the nuclear, what they refer to as the nuclear family. Now, I'm already at number one on your study. Notes, and boy, we are just breezing right along. At this pace, we'll be out of here by quarter to 12. So here we go. In today's culture, and I'm speaking specifically to people in the United States of America, so I'm talking about the American culture. In today's culture, the familial isn't so familiar no more. And for you English people out there, I know that's not the way you say that, but that's the way I said it, okay? In fact, many have substituted familial and familiar with fragile and fractured. Let me help you understand why I said that. Again, consider in today's 
America. And how many of you by uplifted hand know that today's America is different from America 40 or 50 years ago? But in today's America, relationships with grandparents, parents, step-parents, a spouse, children, friends, neighbors, co-workers, bosses, church members, and others, they are more fractured than they are familial. I've stated to you over the past few teachings that these topics, all sets of these topics are very complex and never is it truer than with regards to relationships. Now, I have suggested to you, or actually informed you, that I have used as a resource for this series, the Word of God, obviously, but Matthew Kim has written a book titled Preaching to People in Pain. It's an excellent uh, volume, and I have quoted him time and again. Now, what I'm sharing with you is not, I'm not just reading his book to you, I promise you, but he's been very helpful to me, and I've given you some quotes, and here is one of them. He is actually citing some others that I'm not even sure what the, where the credit goes. But anyways, it goes like this quote. It is increasingly difficult to preach on, watch this, marriage, the ultimate example of a relationship, right? So we use marriage. It's increasingly difficult to preach on marriage without the sermon hurting someone or making them feel excluded somehow. Then he offers some examples. We have successful marriages. We have a lot of those at New Life Community Church. Praise the Lord. But then we have strained marriage. I didn't say strange. I said strained marriages. Now that I think of it, maybe we do have some strained. Strained marriages. Broken marriages. What Mr. Kim refers to as sexless marriages, separation, divorce, emotional and sexual affairs leading to adultery, remarriage, cohabitation. And in case you don't know what that is, that's people living together without benefit of marriage. There's widows and widowers. There's the singles. There's blended families and so many other marital scenarios that are being represented every Sunday these days. So it's increasingly difficult to talk about these issues. And my point is these aberrations just add to the complexity of an already complex critter. Now, this is a little bit of a parenthesis, but stick with me right here. I'm sure what I'm about to say to you is uh, more of a keen observation. It's going to be more keenly obvious than helpful, but many sources will agree, too many to give credit to, to find a prime example of strained family relationships. We need look no further than the first family. Now, I'm not talking about the first family that lives in the White House. I'm talking about literally the first family that lived in the Garden of Eden. There's some good news, bad news going on here. Adam and Eve had two very fine sons, amen? 
They'd had two very fine sons. And I'm sure, like all parents that are worth their salt, they thought those two boys were the greatest two on earth. <laughs> but lo and behold, in a jealous rage, one of them killed the other. Thus we have the mention of the very first familial relationship ending in tragedy. We go from the utopia of the garden to what I'm going to call jacked up in less than one generation. Fill in number two with me on your study notes. Suffice it to say, it would seem, beloved, the number one problem with human relationships is humans. That's the end of that little parenthesis. Now, watch this. And I'm going to change gears a couple of times today. You stick with me. I'll try to let you know when that's happening. It'll seem like I've shifted topics somewhat, but I haven't. The best way to ensure that human relationships not only survive but thrive is by adding a genuine relationship with God Almighty to the equation. The greatest relationship that is foundational to all others, adding God to the relationship, adding God to the human condition. Now listen, as overly simple, some of you may even, may even think naive, as overly simple as this sounds, hear me out on this. When things really are, I mean really, really, genuinely, literally, not just words, but when things really are right with a person's vertical relationship with God the Father, this has tremendous impact on all other relationships. Are you with me? When this is right, typically this will be right. Now, you know that over the last 40-something years, I've done a lot of premarital counseling, a lot of postmarital counseling, a lot of counseling. I'm not a counselor. God has helped us with this. It's amazing to me over the years how many people have come to me with relational issues, and they want me to fix those relational issues when they are not in a right relationship with God. The first thing I do is say, time out. Let's back up. Let's fix your relationship with God, and then we'll work on this other relationship. And they're like, I didn't come here for that. I'm like, I know you didn't come here for that, but I'm trying to help you. Say amen right there. You get that right, and a lot of those things will go by the wayside. Not all of them. That's what we're dealing with here this morning. But I trust that will begin to help you. Watch this. Let me give you some more fuel for the fire. Hopefully, hopefully you can realize that if a man, I'm talking about the male species, I'm talking about uh uh, creation that happens to have an X and a Y chromosome. I'm talking about a man. If a man is loving God, I mean really loving God with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving his neighbor like he loves himself, then you have to know that guy is going to be a much better husband. He's going to be a much better dad. He's going to be a much better friend. He's going to be a much better church team player 
than one that loves God less and their self more. Hopefully you can realize if a woe man, I'm talking about the female species. I'm talking about the one that come into this present existence with an X and an X chromosome, thanks to their daddy. Got to believe the science. Well, if you believe the science, there it is. If a woman is loving God with all of her heart, mind, soul, and strength and her neighbor like she loves herself, then, beloved, you have to know that she's going to be a much better wife. She's going to be a much better mommy, a much better friend, a much better church team player than if she loves God less and loves herself more. Hey, we might as well peel off one more uh, layer of the onion, hadn't we? I don't want to leave out you boys and girls here this morning, which would either be a male or female in the species. You just haven't matured yet. That's what I'm talking about, the immature. Hopefully you can realize that if a boy or a girl is loving God with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving their neighbor like they love themselves, listen to me, young people, I believe that it's possible for such young person to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love their neighbor like they love themselves. Oh, yeah, I know a lot of youngins that are born again at a very early age and spirit-filled. They have a lot to learn, but it can happen, and I would suggest to you that that's what God's will and purpose is for your family and your children. Such ones, you've got to know when they love God that way, then they have to be a much better, much better child. They have to be a much better sibling, a much better friend, a much better church team player. Say amen, Pastor Jason than one that loves God less and loves their self more. Whoo, I could stop right there and y'all could leave here today saying, man, he tore it up today. But I'm not gonna stop right there. I'm just getting started. Hey, what I just said to you is not to declare. It's not to declare. You become a Jesus chaser. And you will be problem free. You become a Jesus chaser and you will be free from relational issues. That's not true at all. That's not what I'm saying. But with that, consider this. I'm at numero three on your study notes. Fill this in with, with me. No thing contributes to relationship deterioration you can find out how to spell it on the screen or just make up your own version. No thing contributes to relationship deterioration any more than the sins that we read about or is outlined here in our text chapter. Now, we haven't read this yet, but I'm going to Galatians 5. I'm going to back up to verse 19. Now, we're going to deal with our text passage here in just a moment. But look at verse 19 of Galatians 5. Here's what we read. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Everybody say obvious. They're obvious. You can look at them. You can see them. You can recognize them. They're obvious. Here they are. Here's the way you live. Here's the way people live who haven't been born again and spirit-filled. They don't love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. They love their self more. Are you with me? Here's the way they live. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. 
Verse 20, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. First part of verse 21, he, he adds an envy, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. That's not an exhaustive list. Are you with me? Now, I took you there to ask you to think. Put your thinking caps on. All of these sinful vices are deterrents and, and impediments to relationships. You may have never looked at that passage that way before, but I want you to get this. All of these things listed here in, in this, this part of Galatians chapter 5 are impediments to relationships. You can add any of these components to any relationship. Watch this, and it will just completely mess it up. How many of you know that sexual immorality destroys the marriage relationship? Oh, what's wrong if I have a little fling? I'm telling you what's wrong with if you're married. It's wrong. It's sin. It'll mess up your marriage relationship. It's not like some extracurricular thing you do, like going to the beach for a weekend. Idolatry and witchcraft is mentioned here. By the way, do you know what witchcraft is? Everybody thinks witchcraft was illustrated in the program Bewitched. Do you remember Bewitched? Beep, 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 beep. Make her nose. And it, it was so funny. Ah, ha, 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 ha. That's, apparently that's what witchcraft is. Watch this. If you don't learn anything else today, I trust you'll catch this little tidbit. Witchcraft is manipulation. Manipulating other people for your own purposes. That's what witchcraft is. You know why they have these little voodoo dolls and stick pins in them? Why do they do that? Because they're trying to put their agenda on somebody else. Are you with me? That's kind of a graphic image, but that's what's going on. You've got to know that idolatry, worshiping idols and witchcraft destroys friendships. Look at this discord, jealousy, Selfish ambition, factions, you have to know those things destroy church relationships. How many times have I heard it over the years where this person sitting in the church service and that person sitting in the church service can't jihad? A lot of times it's because of, look at this, discord, jealousy, selfish ambition. I don't want your way, I want my way. I don't want God's way, I want my way. Factions. I'm not lost, I'm pausing for emphasis while you think about these things. I want you to consider with me what can happen very quickly. Look at your neighbor and say, very, very quickly. This can happen very quickly when a person fails to perfect their relationship with God. Fill in number four with me. The seeds of sin sown by one generation does have a negative impact on the next generation to this extent. I'm not telling you that if I sin, my children have to pay the price, but to this extent, watch this. If grandpa, if grandpa embraces an ungodly lifestyle, the natural tendency is for his offspring to see that lifestyle as normal. Are you with me? Therefore, the next generation views ungodliness as normal. 
And they, in turn, pass this familial aberration onto their offspring. Beloved, I'm not going to give you examples this morning because we would spend entirely too much time, but the scriptures are loaded with examples to back up what I just said to you. So in the space of 30 to 40 years, and that sounds like a long time for the majority of you in here this morning, but for a minority of us, that's not that very long, I'm here to tell you. But in 30 to 40 years, this one family views God through a very compromised and detrimental filter. By the way, what I just shared with you is the norm of what we see in America today. We are calling abnormal things normal. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. My father's generation would never have tolerated such nonsense. Beloved, we're going to wrap it up right there. Let me reiterate something that we were uh, preaching around here just a few moments ago. If one generation embraces something ungodly, then the natural tendency is for the next generation to embrace it as something normal and natural. In other words, if someone embraces that which is contrary to the Word of God, the next generation is going to see that lifestyle as something normal and natural, and it isn't. That's one reason why God has, primary reason why God has given us His Word, so that we can know and understand how each and every generation is to live. Now, I understand this. I understand it completely because I'm talking to a camera right now that is broadcasting this message literally in places around the world, all digital. And so uh, what I'm wanting you to see by that is that technologically things have changed, but fundamentally things have not changed. God's fundamentals are the same. We can continue to use new technology and new equipment and change in that regard, but in terms of our behavior and that which is normal from a spiritual perspective, it must remain the same. The externals change, but the internals remain the same. When the externals and the internals get all out of whack and you start having relational problems, and then that's pretty much what we see in our world today. The inside has got out of whack with people. They have strayed away from this, and it re reflects on their relationships, their family, their neighbors, everything. So I want to encourage you to come back to the Word of God and discover that peace which passes all understanding that's been given to guard, to keep, to guard our hearts, so that we might live in a right relationship with God, and that being first, from that relationship, all other relationships become normal, biblically normal. I trust you can be challenged to that extent. It sounds like an oversimplification, but it's true. Actually, it's very profound. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each one that's turned on this telecast. And I pray, Lord, that you have, have and will use your word to bring us back to you that our relationship with you might be solid and firm and reflective of that which you have purposed. And from that, I pray that the, the ripple effect to our other relationships would be phenomenal. We'll thank you. We'll praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, as we wrap up this Thanksgiving weekend, I want to encourage you to know that New Life Community Church has a regular schedule of activity Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We also have midweek activity, something for nearly every member of the family. That's Wednesday 
at 7 o'clock. And we'd love to see you. Be encouraged to be involved with a church fellowship somewhere, to sit under anointed preaching and teaching, and to engage the koinonia, the fellowship of the church. I'm Terry Knight, and the pastor here at New Life. I trust you're going to have a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is he coming back? Mm-hmm.